Welcome to the Village Church Podcast Show, Episode 20. Josh Patterson here with Matt Chandler. Looking forward to another time with you discussing life at the Village. Specifically, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Apostles' Creed as we just kind of put a bow on this series in the life of our church, talk about some lessons learned, things that we really enjoyed about it, some challenges in the midst of it, and then turn the conversation uh, to really focus on discipleship models, way to structure and strategize discipleship in the life of a church. And we're going to have uh, Eric Geiger on with us today. Uh, the That'll vice be great. president, right? Yes. And, you know, his he demanded so much uh, with this in terms of how we have to say his title correctly. And the word on the street was act. he gave himself that title that he's not actually the vice president. He well, just that, makes that was actually one that. of the things that he said not okay. to say. Oh, But we'll get there. We'll get there. I didn't there. read this before I said yep. that. That's good. That's good. The Apostles' Creed. So here we are. We're about to be completed with the Apostles' Creed. The last thing last weekend will be amen. Yeah. That's what we're doing. And so let's just, how'd you feel the series went? Do you enjoy it? You Thoughts know, I, on it? I, I loved it. I thought it accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. And so the feedback's been really good. Um, internally, externally, pretty good. I mean, I've got a random tweet that someone was disappointed in me and how I handled a, a specific phrase. And so I've, I've dealt with that before the Lord and feel good. And so, um, yeah, I think it went well. We set out and said, that the creed should help us with symmetry, that yep. we should be more theologically symmetrical, that we should gain some clarity around what's true about God and what's true about what God has accomplished in Christ and understanding a better understanding of the Trinity and then how all of that affects our community and how all of that affects really how we counsel ourselves and counsel others. And, and man, I, I just think any way I can measure it, I, I think it accomplished what, what I was hoping for and what I think the creed was meant to accomplish. And so uh, I had a good time. It, the Descended into hell was, uh, as always, you know, a lot of people were like, now why would you add that when that wasn't, you know, that was yeah. added, you know, 7th century or 8th century, depending on who you um, listen to. But but I even thought that week was, a, I think it was huge importance for people to understand what's happening on the cross of Christ and what Jesus is enduring for the glory of God and for the salvation of sinners. Right. A couple of things that I that stick out to me about the series is that the creed by design is forcing us to consider really significant theological positions in the life of a believer. This yeah. is what we believe. And I mean, we start every week by saying, I believe, and then we kind of enter into these things. Uh, the weekend on the forgiveness of sins, that that weekend you preach with tremendous passion, not that you didn't the other weekends, but there was something about that weekend that stands out to me. And then this this past sermon on the resurrection, it let's just kind of flesh that out. What, was there a particular burden that you had on the forgiveness of sins, like provoked? That yeah, was I, a way that I, I definitely think I felt it. provoked. I, you know, and, and you know how this is, you're, you're in ministry too, and I think probably a lot of people who are listening to this um, uh, are, are somehow attached to ministry. I don't know how many of them are teachers, but there comes a time when there's this real kind of beautiful sovereign collision yep. of what the Holy Spirit's making you personally and intimately aware of in your own life and and the text that that by sovereign grace you had outlined in in this case last spring right and and so it was just one of those collisions where I felt almost overwhelmed um, getting ready to preach so I was trying to try to temper myself right. let myself lose but temper myself. Uh, I mean, what I think I preached like 54 minutes or something like that. It was a long one. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I just think I was because of the things that Spirit's doing in my yeah, own life, provoked. and own heart, um, I was provoked. I love it. Love it. And so as this kind of comes to a close and, and beginning to really turn our hearts towards Advent, 
which is always a really sweet season here in the life of the church. And we may talk a, a little bit about Advent and maybe a coming show, but thinking about moving into January, we've got the month of prayer and then we're launching a new series. Do you want yep. to talk about that? That's we, not even on the list to talk no, about, but do you want not. to talk about it? We can. Um, Just we will be doing uh, a series on the seven I am statements in the gospel of John. It'll be an eight week series um, as we'll use one week to set that up and then we'll uh, dive into those seven IMs. And I'm so pumped about that. I'm excited. It's really excited about that. So again, the Apostles' Creed coming to a close, been really helpful, been really beneficial and look forward to just fruit coming from that as we kind of anchor as a church. And this is what we believe as the people of God. And, and so now uh, looking forward to the conversation with Eric Geiger as we talk discipleship methods and models. Welcome back to the Village Church Podcast Show, Episode 20, now joined with Eric Geiger. Looking forward to a conversation. Uh, Eric is married to Kay. They have two daughters, Eden and Evie, and you may be more familiar with Eric through his blog and through his books and his writing and things like that. Wrote fantastic book, Simple Church, and wrote a book, Identity, Transformational Discipleship, among others. He currently serves as the vice president at Lifeway. And so, Eric, good buddy. Welcome to the show. Guys, thanks for having me. I'm really, it's an honor, man. Honor to spend some time with y'all. We're glad you're here. Yeah, just quick question: Have you have you ever listened to this show, the Village Church podcast show? Have you? <laughs> uh, I, as I was telling you before, you decided to roast me in front oh. of everybody. I, I this I'm is a show about transparency <laughs> and honesty, Eric. It's just <laughs> he a would know that if he listened to earlier podcasts. I just wanted to give him an opportunity just to answer the question. <laughs> wow. No, but I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to oh, that, I just want to hear your. You're going to listen to this. You're going to listen to the show that you're again. on and no, tweet no, no, about no, your show. No, no, I'm going to listen. <laughs> not true, man. Not true. No, I'm teasing, man. Welcome. Looking forward to the conversation. Really want to talk about uh, just discipleship in general, but uh, thinking yeah. about different models. You've written on this. You've talked about this, uh, and and I would uh, personally, you've been a really big help uh, for me on this, and so. Let, let's let's kind of begin at the definitional level, and when we're talking yeah. about discipleship, what are we talking about? I, th- I think it's real real good to, to differenti- differentiate the question between definition and model, because oftentimes, like I, I mean, Josh, you've you've led sessions where people raise their hand and, and ask you a question on discipleship, and, and oftentimes they go to the model first without without the definition. So so for me, um, when I look at when I look at the scripture, I, I want to I wanted to say what it's not, and then and then what it is. And so, a definition that I often use is: discipleship's not information or behavioral modification, but it's ultimately transformation. So, the reason I, that definition is important to me is because some people, when they they hear the word discipleship, they think, okay, what information do we need to, to be sure that the people that we serve know? What what, what do we need to be sure they understand? But if discipleship is only information, then the, the demons would be would be disciples. I mean, that famous passage in James two nineteen: "You believe there's one God, good, but even the demons believe that and they shudder." And then on the other the other side of, of the spectrum is behavioral modification. And so some churches or church leaders have gotten frustrated in the past with the deficiency of information only, and so they, they they're like, "Man, we we taught a bunch of information, but." But it never resulted in anybody living things out. And so if they're not careful, they'll swing the pendulum to behavioral modification where we teach people how to live without 
their hearts being transformed and you know the the story of the rich young ruler to me is is classic example of that i mean here's a guy who wanted his behavior modified he wanted some things to do tell me what i must do but but jesus really wanted his heart changed and his heart transformed so the word transformation several different places you have romans 12 2 you have second corinthians 3 17 and as we behold the glory of the lord our hearts are transformed more and more into his image so it's not just when i become a christian but there's this ongoing transformation as i as i walk with the lord and 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 stare at jesus and become more and more like him so definition Really, if I put it in one word, it would be transformation. Okay, so let's let's tease that out a little bit more, and you hit on it just now. Transformation from something and towards something. Is that fair? So you're being transformed from what I once was towards yes. something that I'm becoming. Yeah, take that, run with that, flesh yep. that out a little bit for us. Yep, and it's, uh, well, that word actually, it's the, in the original language, um, it's where we get metamorphosis from. So it's it, it's exactly what you're saying. It's, it's the, the process that, a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. I mean, it's true substantive change. It's not just I'm uh, I'm fixing some things on the outside of me, but but I'm I'm inwardly changed. I, to me, one of the the best definitions of this is um, Jonathan Edwards. Uh, people were asking after the Great Awakening, how do we know if people were were sincere when they are saying they became a Christian? And Edwards said. Um, the supreme proof of a true conversion is holy affections, yeah. longings after God, longings after purity, longings after holiness. And so he's saying the, the ultimate proof is that the affections of your heart are transformed. You, you, you start to want what you didn't want before. You, you start to want holiness and want him and want purity. And you start to not want what you used to want. You know, the, um, now we still do the things we don't want to do. But we don't want to do those things, you know. We we have uh, our affections have been have been changed. Okay, so let me let me keep kind of fleshing this out a little bit. Jesus, Matthew twenty eight, he tells the disciples in what is called the Great Commission, we're going to go to the ends of the earth. We're going to go under his authority with his presence, uh, with this call, with this commission to make disciples. We're going to baptize them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that uh, Jesus has commanded us. And so the call for all believers and all churches everywhere, so long as they're a faithful, Bible-believing, gospel-loving church, is the same. Every church got the same mission, yeah. right? But exactly. but how that church goes about faithfully fulfilling that mission is really where the nuances come into play, where yep. this church may look a little bit unique over and against this church here. This church may have a... Uh, more uh, Sunday school type model. This church is going to have more of a missional community type model. This church, uh, maybe in uh, in other countries, is going to look completely different. So where where then does the model or models start to come into play? And then talk to us a little bit about some of those models. That's good. So yeah, once the definition is set, I think that there's there is a lot of liberty in the model uh, and. There's multiple factors that I think will impact the model. You have um, you have the passion, and the gifting of the leaders. You have the local context, and so those those two will definitely drive will drive model. Some will think uh, when they hear discipleship, they they initially think, okay, so you're talking about new believer discipleship, or some think uh, actually the opposite. Uh, you're talking about leadership development, 
I, I, I want to view discipleship um, because, as you said, Josh, that it's really the whole mission of the church as a as what the church is ultimately about. So the, the whole church is ultimately about discipleship, and, and then we have a process for that on a macro level, but then we realize that people um, are at different steps in their journey. There are different places in their journey, and so if a church is serious about discipleship, we're gonna, we are going to have a strategy or model probably for new believers, and then we're going to have a we're going to have a model or a strategy for how we connect people to live in biblical community, um, and, and then how we commission them out to live to live in in, in all the spheres of life that the people in, our, in, in the body live in. Uh, so that so I think there's a macro view of discipleship in a church, and then and then and then specific strategies for people at different steps of along the way. So I would love for you to flesh this out because it like this idea of discipleship and what discipleship looks like and and how it works at an organizational level, what aspect of it is an organic um, kind of happening in a community of faith. Like the the definition is helpful, but I I think there's some complexity here that it would be helpful, I think, to kind of tease it apart. So if we're talking about not information or behavioral modification, but transformation, in some sense you're talking about how we measure it because you – we we do have to have information, of course, and then there there is some mortification. We're commanded clearly to to put sin to death and to look to what is lovely. So this is the old Puritan idea of you know vivification and mortification. And so uh, are there are there specific traps that we need to be looking for? Because everybody when they disciple is in some sense imputing information and calling people towards holiness. Now, the person's response to that is absolutely fueled by their affection for Jesus Christ. But yep. but I'm wondering, are there, as you've, as you've written, as you've had conversations, as you've done interviews, are, are there certain ruts or landmines that we need to be mindful of um, as we seek to build out models of discipleship that might lead to a, a, one of the big errors of being all about behavioral modification or all about just kind of information impartation? So you're right. I mean, the, when when my heart's transformed, I do want more information. I do want to. I do want to to dive into the word more. When my heart's transformed. I do want to kill the flesh. Uh, but I, but then I can also teach people to kill the flesh without their heart being transformed, or I can also teach them information without their heart being transformed. So I think the rut I want to avoid is 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 teaching information and then equating that with transformation, or uh, teaching. Uh, and challenging people and giving them a list of accountability questions on mortifying the flesh without going to their heart. So I think that the ruts I want to avoid on both sides of that is just being sure that in any model that we're taking people continually uh, to the to the deeper the deeper issue, take, taking people to to the heart of the matter, to um, that their heart being being changed by, by by the grace of Jesus. Okay. Okay. Good. New question. Ready? New topic. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about models. We've talked about definition. And let, let's kind of begin to unpack uh, f- for folks, and, and, and this will be helpful for me as well, beginning to think about the process from moving from, okay, I've got this definition. I, I, I think I have an understanding that it, discipleship is ultimately transformation. I've got new affections. Uh, I long for new things. I love new things. Uh, I, there's some new things that I want to do. There's some old things that I don't want to do. Those types of things begin to come into play. I'm being transformed from something towards something. 
And now I'm recognizing, hey, there's options out there. I've got these different models to choose from. I'm beginning to recognize my passions. I'm beginning to understand the context. And and right now we're kind of talking about church, church leadership, those types of things. There's some things that are organic. There's some things that are organizational. You begin to kind of introduce the trellis and the vine um, kind of imagery. And then you're by yourself or you're with your team and you got a blank whiteboard. And what do you do now? Like, where do you go from there? Uh, how do you yeah. how do you begin to build it or evaluate what's already been built? Yeah. So if I had a blank sheet, and I and obviously I wouldn't I would never tell a church leader that you can start with a blank sheet and uh, and just kill everything that you have in your church. But you, what you can do is you can suspend reality when you have a leadership discussion with your team, and 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 say, okay, let, let's for a moment suspend the current reality of our church from a programmatic standpoint and, and look at what at what could be if we were designed from a blank sheet of paper on we have this definition for discipleship, we have this passion for discipleship, how does everything we offer as a church actually help make that happen? And so to me, I mean, there's some things in the scripture that, that are clear um, when it comes to corporate disciplines. If you want to, if you want to call Spiritual disciplines and divide them, and you know, people categorize them differently. But if you want to say that there's there's these personal spiritual disciplines that that help put people in the the pathway of God's God's transforming power, you know, personal study, fasting, prayer, those things. But then you have these these cor- these corporate disciplines, you know, where, where we we worship together, where we um, we are in community together, we we encourage one another as long as it's called today, uh, where where the church clearly lives on mission. Um, where, where people are uh, equipped, Ephesians 4, to minister to one another until the body's built up. And so you have these corporate disciplines. How, what, what corporate disciplines do we invite people in our church to be a part of, and how does that fit into the overall mission of our church to make disciples? And so what, what's our, what are we going to invite people to to where they can worship together corporately? What, how are we going to help people live in biblical community? How are we going to help people be trained uh, to live to live on mission and to be equipped to serve the body and so the I mean those I mean it's, it's not to me at this point when you ask it that way you end up probably doing some of the same things that your church already does we're gonna have a worship service we're gonna get together in community groups or small groups or Sunday school classes we're gonna train people to live on mission but but now that we understand that as all subsets of our call to make disciples, um, I, I, I just want to have I would I would want to have that conversation as a leadership team. How, how does everything that we offer fit into our our mission of, of disciple making? So that that appears. So I'm I'm pastor of a church. It's it's a large church. It's fast growing church. It, it seems that <clears throat> to to go about it that way, you, you enter into some some real complexity very quickly in regards to scope and scale what does a what does a ninth grader need in his discipleship process as opposed to what does a 38 year old need and then and then not on, not on top of that but then the the dozens and dozens of different ways and different pieces that that if we're just looking at the scriptures it seems we need to plug in somewhere so uh, like if you yeah. if you take issues of um, social justice or um, you you consider uh, cultural renewal which is there I mean ton being written and talked about in regards to cultural renewal in in our day and and really if you if you look at some of what's being written around those they're they're going to say that really for 
discipleship to take place. They're going to agree with with what we're saying here that that it's not just information, it's not just behavioral, you know, um, modification, but it is transformation. And yet, that transformation occurs best when, and then they answer a lot of a lot of the current kind of sexy reads are answering that question when we're engaged among the least of these, when we're ministering to the poor, when we're operating in our yeah. domain for the glory of God. And so it, it seems like in some sense in our day, you've got discipleship, you know, where you've already said it, where it's Bible study and it's Sunday school and it's um, personal disciplines and corporate disciplines. And then there's a lot of dialogue right now that's more like the 30,000 foot view, kind of kingdom of God stuff. So like, you know, um, James Hunter's book, To Change a World, he, he says, making disciples, however, is not just one more program. It is not Sunday school, a Wednesday night prayer meeting, or a new book one must read. Discipleship is about learning to live the alternate reality of the kingdom of God within the present world order faithfully. So it's this real kind of push and pull right now on pastors to to help minister and help their people grow in discipleship. And, and I think the number one concern that I, I've heard from young pastors is they, they feel lost in this. They're not quite sure... Yeah how to organize. And I mean, because if they're supposed to feed the poor and make sure everybody knows the Bible and make sure they're trained in evangelism and we need to make sure they understand the Trinity, the the sheer volume of what they're supposed to teach their people and how they're supposed to train their people and how much is, I mean, it's crushing. Can you speak a little bit to maybe how to, and and I'm not trying to set you up towards simple church, but uh, how are we to think through the limitless opportunities we have because of the volume of curriculums and apps and training yeah. platforms, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, it's good. And, and, and man, I, I, what I would hate to do is is make something more, you know, more complex for a church leader. And, and I agree. I, I, the, with all of the things that sometimes church leaders are told to do, it is, like you say, crushing. It could be crushing, like do all of do all of these things. So, Anytime I hear, and I, I agree with uh, with Hunter's uh, with Hunter's quote, I, I wouldn't want to say that any one program e- equates discipleship. So what I'd want to do is step back and realize, okay, there are different aspects of discipleship. I would try to categorize them, and this is where sometimes people get like, oh man, you're you're trying to systemize it too much. But the struggle is if you don't, from a church leader standpoint put together some type of framework for your people, it's just as crushing for your people as it is for you because you're going to give a gazillion things for them to do that there's, there's no way they're going to be able to do all the, all of those things. And that, that's really the, what we landed on when, when, we, when we wrote Simple Church was to, to essentially ask yourself on the front end, I mean, really the main, the main point of the book was to have a clear process. And so you, you ask yourself on the front end, what, what kind of disciples do we want to make around here and then what are the what are the, the 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 programs that we have that can be tools to help do that? And let's only do those things. Um, but, to, but in between those two points, you really have to. So do you take cultural renewal, personal evangelism, uh, global missions? You know, are all of the can you categorize all those as we're gonna we're gonna equip our people to live externally? I'm, I'm not saying you would have to categorize them that way, but how do you take the, the huge list of things, Matt, that you're you're talking about, and frame them in a way to where there can be some action steps or some some 
environments that we actually invite our people to come to and be a part of. We're not inviting them to come to 38 different things, you know? Okay, let me let me ask you this. When did you write Simple Church? How long ago was that? Oh, oh man, oh shit, man, gosh. Come on, bro, it's tattooed on your forearm. Just look down. You know. <laughs> you know. No, I don't. I, I, it came out in 05. We wrote 05, I think 06. Okay. Ben, it was huge. It was a huge book, really helpful, uh, really beneficial to the church. And, um, it, you know, what's interesting when we're thinking about discipleship, and this is a question that uh, that I've been asked a lot and have talked about a lot, that it, church leaders are very familiar with the reality of the call that they're to be making disciples. That's, that's what we're to be about. And then if we begin to ask the next question, how are you doing that? If if you just had to write out how your church is making disciples, man, it 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 can be a real quick tap on the brakes. Where I'm not sure how I would articulate that. I'm not sure exactly what we're doing. There's a just a kind of a smorgasbord of options and things going on, and it it could yeah. be a question that it just forces a leader or a leadership team to really. Uh, kind of, to use Jim Collins' words, confront the brutal facts. I mean, just the reality yeah. of, I'm not quite sure how we're making disciples. And yeah. and if I don't know, then I don't think our people know. And, uh, and, and then you start asking questions about stewardship and faithfulness and all of these types of things. Right. And so, man, the book was huge in, in saying and really pushing leaders and pastors to consider, you need to think through this. Uh, you you need to kind of cut away some of these things and really begin to focus and be intentional and strategic. And I was just having this conversation this morning, just the idea of of implicit or pregnant into the idea of strategy is I'm saying no to some things. Anytime you pick a strategy, you're you're fundamentally saying no to at least a set of some things, uh, uh, some things that are possible that you're choosing not to do. And so in Simple Church, there's this idea, and correct me, I mean, you're, you're the guy, where, where we are aligning things in a strategic and intentional direction that kind of gets the church moving that way. And so uh, just outside of the book, and, and I'll just affirm you uh, as a friend, man, you know the impact that you've had on me. I, f- I feel like I've told you this a lot, um, but in certain seasons of my life as a leader and a pastor and and in the life of our church, really challenging me and us to think about some things in a little bit more of an intentional way. And so, one, thank you for that. And then uh, really what I want to talk about is this idea of simple church. If you could say it in a nutshell, what what is it? What are you trying? What are you hoping to accomplish with that book? First, man, thank thank you, and, and as you guys know, man, y'all have had a tremendous tremendous impact on me, and I'm I'm super grateful for for you both and and for the village. Uh, Simple Church, in in a nutshell, would be design a, a process for discipleship, and then say no to everything else that falls outside of that. And so, we 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 took a long time to say that in the book, and what's what's probably the one of the most frustrating things post the, post the the book is that. Uh, I'd get emails from church leaders that would say, "Okay, give me. Can you email me what our process should be?" And that and that was the opposite of what we were trying to say <laughs> in the book, which was, you know, you need to you need to to look at your context, wrestle with your team, pray fast. What what's a disciple going to look like in your context? I mean, how is a disciple going to be made? And then and then and then 
you know, let your programs be servants to your discipleship process and not the other way around cool. where you're, where you're actually a, a servant to, uh, your programs. You know, you, you use your, your programs as servants to, to the, to the call to make disciples. Okay. So you wrote it 10 years ago. What, yes. what has evolved for you? What has matured for you? What wisdom have you gleaned as you look back and think, man, I wrote that 10 years yeah. ago. Uh, I'm, I'm in the game 10 years longer. Here are some things that uh, I have more color around right now. Yeah. Well, um, a couple of things happened post the book that actually made to me the book even, even more, uh, tangible or more practical. And then, of course, there are some things that I would emphasize more. So for, first, the things that, that actually made the book more tactical uh, or, or tangible and practical was, uh, so the book's, you know, wrote in 05, 08, 09 is the economic crisis uh, that caused a lot of church budgets to be strained. And so we're writing the book in, in, in abundant times, and then and then all of a sudden there's there's a church, especially if a church wasn't growing, all of a sudden, you know, health care costs are going up and my budget's not going up. Well, then I've got to... I've got to uh, I've got to cut some things, and so I, I would hate I I personally want want churches to be more focused outside of an economic pro- uh, crisis, but an economic crisis uh, and a giving crisis in in some contexts actually does cause people to say, okay, we we have to finance, we really have to finance what's most important, uh, and then multiple campuses uh, in '05 when we first wrote the book was was really not um, near the number of churches. That are doing multiple campuses then as, as compared to now. And to me, if you're going to do multiple campuses, coming from a context where I did multiple campuses, uh, it is much sus- more sustainable and scalable to do multiple campuses if you have a simple, yeah. Yeah. A simple process. Great. So those are, those are things that happened after the book came out. And I'm, and I'm, and I, and I, which I think made the book practical in those settings. Some things I, I, I would, I would do, would do differently, uh, in the book it would be, I would even say more explicitly uh, that if this is a process, um, it, that, that the key word is the word process, not the word simple. Uh, that some that some people uh, be, be became like just cut, cut, cut. To more important than that is that you have a philosophy of discipleship underneath a surface that then drives that drives your decisions. Um, I would I would have spent more time in the book ensuring that people did not. You and I talked about this before, Josh. Uh, that we people don't read it as saying discipleship is a linear process. We were we were we were in that section of the book just talking about measuring uh, your church from as people progress through your, the programs that you offer. But I, I would I would be more careful in that section to uh, to clarify that that I, I don't believe discipleship's a clean step A, step B, step C. How you great know, would that be, though? That it's, um, be so great. How Thank great you. would that be, though? Oh, it'd be awesome, man. Life would be then. Then it wouldn't be as crushing as you're talking. You know, it'd be uh, church ministry would be great if it was. Now, that easy, what right? was your proposed title for the book? The the proposed title was process centered ministry, <laughs> um, which actually does it hit does that hit point it. That's why that's, I, that's why I'm bringing it up. It's just that would, it, it would have sold the, a lot. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's but, pretty yeah, bland. Nobody would have read it. Like, who wants that? I don't want that. Eric Geiger wants that. That's true. Type A guys want Type a. a book, yeah, for well, sure. <laughs> well, again, and and I'll kind of give a a quick thought, and then uh, then we'll be done. But you know, thinking about models, and and the village has has chosen a model, chosen a scheme, and and when I talk to our new hires here, or talking through 
um, things like membership class here at the church. Uh, I, I just try to remind our staff and remind uh, new members that we've just chosen a scheme. We had to be faithful to to pick a play and and run that play. But there are other plays you can run, and we we started the yeah. show by saying that there's there there are different defenses that yeah. you can run. We're we're all trying to do the same missional objective, which is to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, to see about his name and his fame and his glory to the ends of the earth as we make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nate, we can do that a thousand different ways. The idea is that that you just got to know how you're doing it. Uh, and, yes. and not that you're doing it the way that we're doing it, but the way you've got to know the way that you're doing it. That's That's super, yes. super important. And I'd want to give guys who are listening the permission to just kind of fail forward. Totally. I mean, keep working and tweaking and figuring out what works. And well, and and with that, recognizing no matter what model you choose, there will be a weakness in it. Yeah. There's a there's totally. a vulnerability in that. And again, the analogy that I always use is is defense. On a football defense, no matter what you run, there's a weak spot in that defense that can be exploited, and you've just got to be aware of that and shore it up. Uh, as best you can by God's grace, because there's no there's no perfect scheme, there's no perfect um, there's no perfect church, there's no perfect discipleship model. It's it's always somewhat fundamentally messy, uh, and so it's it's not that simple. Uh, just yeah. kind of tongue in cheek, but um, yeah, but yeah, I'm grateful for it. Yeah, the, I think the important thing to take away, just as we kind of conclude our time together, is the call of God on our lives is to make disciples. Right? I mean, it's right. what. Uh, our gifts were given to us for to bring glory to God by making uh, disciples. This is true personally, but it's also true uh, corporately. And so if you're listening, man, I pray uh, our discussion today has helped you some, at least given you the um, the impetus to, to look and consider how are we making disciples? What is our plan? Do the people in our church understand and know that plan? And so I pray it was helpful for you, at least give you some things to think about and consider in the weeks to come. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, and until then, God bless.